following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 10, and it can be found on page 491 of the Church Bibles. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of all the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the teacher of the law stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattithiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Marseiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zachariah, and Meshullam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Barni, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hadiah, Marseiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The second reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21, and that can be found on page 1031 of the Church Bibles. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and on the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, "The Spirit of the Lord is on me." because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, 
Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So picture the scene, Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. Jesus is recovering after his 40-day ordeal in the wilderness. He lived a quiet life for 30 years before the drama of his baptism and that voice which came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. He started to teach in a few local synagogues, and people seemed to have liked what he had to say. And now he's come back home. He's on home turf. He's been to this synagogue probably hundreds of times before. They know him. He stands up to read, and he's given the scroll containing the words of Isaiah. He knows it well, and so he opens the scroll from the wrong side because he knows the passage he's going to choose, and it's one from near the end. And now picture this scene, Jerusalem about five centuries earlier. Exiles have returned. There are about 50,000 people living in the city now. The wall around the city has been rebuilt, but there is still a lot of work to do to restore the city to its former glory. And a crowd of people gather in the square. They must have planned it because they've built a special high wooden platform for the occasion. And they call on Ezra to bring out the book of the law and teach them from it. They are hungry to hear what he has to say. And he is flanked by a whole crowd of other leaders. And can I just say, well done. I think Karen deserves a round of applause for getting their names done so well there. Two very different scenes. But there are a lot of parallels in these two passages. Two men, both standing up before a crowd, reading from the scriptures and then teaching and two new beginnings. Last week, Aaron spoke to us about the way John uses the story of the water being turned into wine as a marker of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he encouraged us to pray the Methodist Covenant Prayer as we start the new year of 2022. Today, we are once more looking at two new beginnings. Anyone would think it was still January, And this January does seem to have been particularly endless, it has to be said. Firstly, then, our reading from Nehemiah. It's the first day of the special seventh month. In other words, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. This was not and is not celebrated with fireworks. Rosh Hashanah is a time for reflecting on what has gone before and for setting the tone for the year to come. The 10 days that begin with Rosh Hashanah and end with Yom Kippur are the holy of holies of Jewish time. And the people know that the rebuilding of the walls is one thing, 
but they know they need more. And so they call for the book of the law. And they were keen, sufficiently keen to listen from daybreak until noon, quite possibly a period of about six hours. I'm doubting that many of us have listened to many six-hour sermons, and I don't think I'd be very popular if I went on for six hours today. But on this occasion, just the very act of opening the book provoked the people to cries of amen, amen, and bowing down in worship. They had clearly longed for this moment. And as the teaching progresses, they realize their shortcomings and they weep. But what do Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites say to them? There is no mixed messaging here. The governor, the priest, and the Levites are speaking with one voice. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. And Nehemiah tells them, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. He's telling them to have a party. And I'm really sorry, but you still can't escape from talk of parties. He tells them to celebrate, to share their bounty with others, so they too can join in the celebration. To celebrate, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, and holiness does not preclude parties. Yes, there are times for serious. There are seriousness. There are definitely times not to have a party. And there are times for mourning and weeping. But in the immortal words of Ernest Gordon, who wrote The Miracle on the River Kwai, we should not be, I love this quote, as he used to think Christians were, people who manage to extract the bubbles from the champagne of life. That doesn't fit with John Sentamu's vision of Christians being people of prayer and parties that Aaron shared with us last week. Helmut Thielicke wrote, should we not see that lines of laughter about the eyes are as much marks of faith as are the lines of care and seriousness? The people who were being spoken to here had gone through a long time of waiting They had been mocked by those around them as they rebuilt the walls. And they knew only too well where they had fallen short. But God wants them to have joy. And God knows that we have gone through nearly two years of waiting. Nearly two years without taking the wine at communion. Nearly two years without sharing a handshake or a hug as we share the peace. Nearly two years without a relaxed chat with a friend over a tea or a coffee after church. Nearly two years of not singing without a mask. And those are just some of the things we've missed at church, let alone everything else. Now Jesus has been waiting too, waiting and preparing for 30 years, waiting and preparing for 40 days in the desert. And just as our Old Testament reading was about a new start after the rebuilding of Jerusalem at the start of a new year, 
Here, we have a different look at the start of Jesus' ministry. And yet, in some ways, it's not a new start at all. As Ezra read from the book of the law, Jesus reads from the familiar scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And his words are electric. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. If you read on from the passage we had read today, you will notice the interesting response of the listeners to what Jesus says next. His final statement in our reading was, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now at first the people seem to have been amazed in a positive way. They saw his words as gracious. What's not to like about freedom and healing? But yet they also asked, isn't this Joseph's son, the son of the humble local carpenter? And then they turn on him and try to throw him off a cliff, which isn't a great response to a sermon, it has to be said. But the passage he chooses to read has two emphases. When Jesus says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, what he is saying is, this is all about me. The Spirit is on me. He has anointed me. Jesus needs them to know that he is the center point of all history. A big claim from the local carpenter's son. And what is it that he is doing? He is proclaiming good news to the poor, bringing sight, and most importantly, bringing freedom. Freedom for the captives, freedom for the oppressed. And this is not limited to a small group of people. It is good news for all the poor, for all the oppressed. No particular group is specified here. In Luke 2, the angel proclaimed that the birth of Jesus will bring great joy for all the people. And in the same chapter, as Simeon held the baby Jesus in his arms, he said, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There is freedom for all in Jesus. I think we'll hear more about that next week. Possibly, as Tom Wright suggests, this is what tipped his hearers over the edge. There was too much grace here for his hearers to handle. So, joy and freedom. Joy even though we know our failures. Joy even when times are hard. And freedom, freedom for all. Now this week, as Jeff mentioned, is the week of prayer for Christian unity. Back in October, I had the immense privilege of joining an ordinance trip 
to the Ecumenical Institute in Bossy in Switzerland and the World Council of Churches headquarters. Now, the WCC represents billions of Christians from all over the world, literally. The Church of England has been a member of the World Council of Churches since it was formed in the ashes of war in 1948. A lot of what we heard in seminars during our visit was about the challenges of ecumenical work. It's not always easy for Christians from churches of very different traditions to work together. At Bossy, they do not formally celebrate the Eucharist because there are many barriers to overcome to enable that to happen together. And yet, the students who gather at Bossy for six-month study programs from all over the world eat together three times each day. And that's the picture above the entrance to the dining hall. And as they eat, they talk about Jesus, amongst other topics too, of course. They break bread and remember Jesus together every single day. Now that is unity. And I learned a lot during my time at Bossy, but the best moment was possibly the mass sing-along of Dancing Queen, led by two Swedish pastors, Greek Orthodox monks, and actually not, no, Ukrainian Orthodox monks and all. And that was a moment of joy, unity and joy together. Now, in contrast, when I started pondering this sermon, I was stuck at home isolating with COVID. I'm better now. We have all had a fresh perspective on freedom or the lack of it over the last couple of years. And now we are tentatively looking forward to a time of fewer restrictions to come. But Jesus offers us real freedom. And it is freedom for all. A freedom that comes from knowing we are loved by the God who made the universe. A freedom that comes from knowing that he is for those who are suffering. That he is for those who are at the sharp end of injustice. So as we continue into this new year, with all the changes that are happening around us, in this endless January, let's look to Jesus. Let's trust him. Let's sing of him, whatever is going on around us. And let's make sure we don't keep the joy and freedom and love that he brings to ourselves. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.